This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. This is Talk of the Town. Joining me in the studio, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good morning. I think it's still morning, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to have you both here. I want to uh, explore, if we can, together today, the the issue of quarantines, because this is uh, uh, obviously big in the news today. Uh, with the the sudden outbreak of SARS and the uh, and the the I think commendable response by the worldwide medical community. I mean, I think the remarkable thing about SARS is that uh, up till this morning, the latest number I had was 67 deaths worldwide. That's not very many. More people die on American highways in a single day than that. And yet, uh, it is a very ser- I'm not not downplaying the seriousness of it. It's a very serious disease, but I think it's commendable how quickly the medical community has responded to it. Part of that response, of course, has been to to quarantine um, hospitals, including our hospitals here, um, London Health Sciences. We just got a public service announcement from them, noting that they are uh, they're ready to go now. They've they've uh, implemented all the provincial guidelines. Uh, that have been established in order to deal with SARS. All elective surgeries, office visits, procedures, and tests, including x-rays, MRIs, CT scans, and ultrasound tests, have been canceled until further notice. All outpatient clinics have been canceled. I mean, this is serious stuff. And in Toronto, of course, they have some rather serious quarantines going on. There are quite a number of people who are in quarantine. In Hong Kong, there is at least one apartment building that we're aware of that is surrounded by armed troops to keep people inside the apartment building. And some of them, they are now moving out to a vacation camp, I understand. But uh, the, the authorities there have taken this very, very seriously. I spoke with Dr. Graham Pollitt last night, the medical officer of health, and asked him how much authority the uh, MOH has in a situation like this. And while he was deliberately trying not to be provocative about it, and we certainly understand that, um, he did make the point that the MOH has pretty unfettered uh, um, powers in a situation like this. If they deem this to be a genuine health threat, they can order people uh, detained. They can order people incarcerated, to use his word, if necessary, uh, in the interest of public safety and public health. And I thought it might be interesting to uh, see if we can get some looks at that issue from different parts of the political spectrum. And Bob, I would start with you. Uh, is there an overriding uh, 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 public, uh, what, what, what's the word I want here, public interest here that justifies the suspension of civil rights? Well, no one has a right to make someone else sick against their will. That's not a civil right I have or you have or anyone else has. And if we're discovered to have a disease that's extremely contagious, you have a right to self-defense, right? Mm-hmm. Simple as that. That's what a quarantine is. It's our individual right to self-defense to protect ourselves from others. Now, some quarantines are legitimate and others aren't. I'm very suspicious about this SARS outbreak so far, given that it is only 67 deaths worldwide. Mm -hmm. And the reaction to it has been so extreme. Usually, you know, you have thousands of deaths before somebody even notices there's a disease. So there's something very different about this one. I don't think we've been told the whole story. I'm hoping it, it it's a legitimate story and mm-hmm. not a scare to, to, to create some other front. But I, I do know from people who've told me that when the AIDS outbreak first came, Castro, for example, in Cuba, quarantined anyone who had the HIV virus mm-hmm. and put them in the camps. Um, is that legitimate? I don't know, especially at the time when they didn't know how it was spread. Um, 
today we have other forms of um, quarantines. They're called anti-smoking bylaws, where we take smokers and, and separate them from non-smokers. That's sort of a quarantine, and the mm-hmm. argument is secondhand smoke. You don't have the right to pollute my, my lungs, but mm-hmm. that's really a property rights issue, and that would be an improper quarantine because nobody has a right to go into somebody's restaurant, you know, if the, mm-hmm. uh, except that that restaurant owner's conditions. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't want you to wear jeans, then you don't wear jeans. Mm-hmm. If he, you know, if he allows smoking, then you allow smoking. Mm-hmm. That's not a disease that would be forced upon you. You're walking into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the other case where it's a completely involuntary thing where you know the disease is very virulent, that, it, that it's contagious, um, you're just acting in self-defense when you put people in quarantine, and they should know that too, and they should feel better about it as well. We are told today, Jeff, and I ask you because as a lawyer, I know you've worked in in related areas here. We are told today that there are no particular um, benefits or income supplements for people who are quarantined. That uh, the government has no plan in place if you are quarantined, if you are prohibited from going to work, uh, that you're just sort of out of luck. Now, Dr. Pollitt said last night that it was his understanding that uh, if you had been quarantined by order of the, uh, of the, of the MOH, that uh, it's sort of like getting a doctor's note to be off work and whatever your normal company uh, policies relative to illness and sickness are would apply. There's a story, I think, in the Globe today that suggests that, that at least as far as they know that that's not the case, I would tend to think Dr. Pollitt probably is more informed than they are. But uh, do we have a responsibility when we... When we require people to to stay home they still have debts to pay they still have bills to pay if if we say to them you can't leave your house do we have a responsibility to uh, help them financially well uh, yeah i would think so and and i would imagine that uh, as as the thing uh, gains uh, inertia that there'll be a move to do that i guess one of, one of the things about sars that strikes me is that it seems to have come on quickly and it seems to have kind of spooked the medical community because in canada at least it did spread principally through um, through uh, scarborough grace hospital mm-hmm. i guess and uh, i think that there there's an argument for what bob is saying that it might be an overreaction at the end of the day it might we might end up saying you know it's i, I gather that it for most people it's no more than of flu effectively and that people die of flu all the time mm-hmm. um, and, and that uh, we may at the end of the day end up deciding that it was an overreaction. In those circumstances, you certainly hope that we as a community would, would uh, compensate people. Uh, but I think that on the other hand, it's legitimate to say that when there's something that we're not quite sure what it is, we've got to bend over backwards to uh, to shut things down. And I, I'm trying to remember what the number was after World War One of uh, people who died of influenza uh, in, in sort of the industrialized nations. And I think it was about 18 million or so. I know that it was considered more than the number of people killed no, in the war. Far more itself. than killed in the war, yes. And uh, so when, when things like that can happen, even within the last century, because uh, something comes along that we don't quite have a handle on, I, I guess it justifies sort of uh, pulling out all the stops uh, to stop it. And and it sounds right now like they're they're sort of not totally sure about sort of uh, how it's transmitted and so on. They, they think they have an idea on it, but mm-hmm. it reminds me of AIDS uh, back when it first came out, that you would hear one thing about this is what it is, and this is how it's transmitted, then it was something else. And I remember that uh, uh, in the uh, tainted blood uh, cases, there was a lot of controversy about whether the Red Cross had reacted quickly enough when they got new information about uh, the risk of transmission of AIDS through blood transfusions. And they said, you know, that uh, there was a test that could have been done six months earlier than they were, for instance, which doesn't sound like a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there was a lot of criticism at the time saying you should have been on that from day one. Uh, so I, I think that it's justified to have quarantines. They're, they're kind of remind us about our, uh, our vulnerability once in a while. Uh, and certainly, there have been times in the past, great plague, 
earthquakes and so on where they've had to uh, you know burn down uh, uh, cities and so on mm-hmm. to, to try and deal with things uh, you know, so, so, so we, we are susceptible to these things and every so often we're reminded how susceptible we can be and I think uh, until we know what we're dealing with you have to you have to go all out Bob what about the issue of compensation for people who are ordered by essentially ordered by the government to stay home don't go to work well you would think in a socialized country that had socialized medicine that that would be an automatic especially for people put in a position for no fault of their own so mm-hmm. to speak um, that we would even consider not doing that given the environment we're in is beyond me I don't I don't get that you know but uh, clearly if someone's forcing you locking you in a place or forcing you to be somewhere you're being deprived of your means of employment of your means of income of of you know, being able to survive. Mm-hmm. So if they don't do something for you, they're effectively killing you, aren't they? So what's the point of putting you in quarantine? Let me uh, ask you about the... Uh, but well, there comes an issue if you had too many yeah. people in quarantine or, mm-hmm. you know, that the population couldn't support them, I think then you've got a serious outbreak and well, you're going to be dealing with the disease. The other thing, of course, is it'll be a real mess about uh, how, how much are you going to compensate people. You're going to have people who, who have collective agreements and so on where they can use sick days, for instance. Uh, you've got self-employed people. Uh, how do you measure the loss of, of a week's productivity if you're self-employed, mm-hmm. for instance? Do you put a cap on it? Uh, you know, what about childcare? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it gets fleshed out. Uh, but uh, typically, I think what they normally would do is come out and say, well, there'll be a pool of uh, X dollars set aside. You can qualify for up to X dollars mm-hmm. with some documentation. I bet you that'll happen. There's been a, a, a certain amount of uh, low-level controversy about screening people coming into this country. And uh, while they are doing some screening, I understand, there was a there was concern from some civil libertarians that it was not uh, in keeping with our, the individual's right to privacy to be asking people essentially in public in a lineup at an airline desk, uh, where have you been lately? Have you been to China, for example? Have you been to Hong Kong? Have you been to Vietnam? Uh, and there was a, a fair amount of backlash over that. People saying we shouldn't do it, and they're still reluctant to do that, I understand. I've heard those airports. questions asked in airline lineups all my life. Mm-hmm. They were doing that 20 years ago. What's what's the difference with today? Well, I remember I mean, the Royals came over. They had to put their feet in the uh, stuff for the mad cow disease as well. That mm-hmm. uh, uh, So, I, I don't know. I, I, I understand that uh, that potentially, I suppose, and I saw something in the news about a, about a Chinese person saying, I, I hope we're not stigmatized because it seems to be sort of mm-hmm. coming out of there right now. But I'd be pretty surprised if they were uh, in any meaningful way. And certainly I've got a friend who just came in from uh, Hong Kong who's been working in China, and so she's got her 10 days off right now. Uh, from my perspective, it's nice because I get to see her. I never get to see her. Otherwise, she's in China all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us today on Left, Right, and Center. Lines open, of course, at 643-1290. And uh, we will be back to take your calls or or just to have you uh, continue to uh, enjoy our conversation. And we hope that's exactly what you're doing here on News Talk 1290 CJBK. Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. Left, right, and center with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer here. We're talking about the issue of uh, of uh, quarantine because this is something we've not faced in my lifetime, I don't ever remember a major quarantine such as we're seeing now, some minor ones. I remember when I was a kid, there was a uh, somebody in the neighborhood, and I'm trying to remember what they were quarantined for, but that was quite a story, that there was a sign hanging on the on the door that uh, by order of the, I assume by order of the medical officer of health, that this building is under quarantine. And uh, one of my friends lived there, and I, I've been trying to remember all morning what exactly it was for. I don't rubella or I, who knows or something anyway but to see a major one like this i don't ever remember seeing this in my 54 years no um you know i learned something about catching colds and influenza when i moved from my home to the apartment building i'm in right now mm-hmm. 
And to my surprise, when I moved in the apartment building every Christmas, I got sick. I got a flu, I got a cold, something once a year at least, mm -hmm. you know. Finally, I wised up and, and I realized that one of the things I've got to do during that season is avoid the large crowds that I used to go into. And I did that this year. Mm -hmm. And I always put my gloves on when I go through the, the main entrance door to the apartment building because mm -hmm. everybody in that building is touching that door. Ah, good point. Right? Mm -hmm. Since I started doing that, I haven't had a cold in two years now. Is that right? Right. So this washing of the hands mm -hmm. <laughs> that your favorite politician is doing there on TV <laughs> yeah. um, has a lot of merit to it. And if, if not even washing, just keeping your hands off of things that you know that hundreds of people are touching. And uh, I just, I didn't have a problem this year at all when, when I heard people all around me with that, with that cold and virus mm -hmm, yeah. and stuff going around. So although, although I, I just kept an eye on that. You're, you're right. And, and uh, certainly the, the doctors all say that that's the thing is that the vast bulk of it is transmitted by hands, hands mm -hmm. touching things. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, but then I'm always reminded of Howard Hughes in the background and thinking, I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't want to go nuts. Nice. No. <laughs> so it's like, well, you live in a, in a community, you know, you're just going to be exposed to stuff and you do what you can. But. Let me ask you about the powers of quarantine. Now, they're vested in the medical officer of health, who is uh, accountable to the provincial government. Um, so I guess indirectly he's accountable to the people. Um, a very powerful individual in a situation like this, and one that normally, you know, the his powers are rather constrained by circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, are we adequately... Are we adequately protected? Not from Dr. Paulette in particular, but are we adequately protected? Uh, Bob, do you think our... You talked before about well, our I rights think, not to be infected. I think are this okay? is a legitimate authority. I mean, there, all authority is not illegitimate. A, a legitimate authority comes from those fundamental rights and freedoms we have. And this is clearly an issue of self-defense. I, You know, you can't go out knowing that you have a contagious disease that can kill people and um, knowingly transmit that disease. That, that amounts to the closest thing. That's almost murder. So um, I don't see a problem with it at all. I don't see a civil liberties issue unless they were quarantining people for their political beliefs. That's right. When we find out that uh, the liberals are all in quarantine on election day, yes. that's when we're going to start to be a little suspicious. <laughs> well, Ernst Zundel's in, in quarantine for his political beliefs. Let's uh, look ahead if we can. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, and we don't know what the progression of this disease is going to be, but do you think it's changed people's attitude? And I just ask you guys as a, you know, on a person to person basis, it's changed your attitude about health at all? I was talking to somebody earlier this morning that's, or last, last night that said, uh, you know, this, this may change our attitudes towards public health, that we may become more aware, Bob, of you said, of, you know, Washing your hands and these simple or, things we've yeah, been told. Or for just putting my gloves on when I go yeah. through the door. I just do, do didn't use that, my bare hands. Do you on think the door. it's going to make a difference? Uh, or is not it too, is it too early to not tell. Gen. It's too early to tell in some ways, and I don't even think unless there's a serious issue. Uh, I don't really think people are going to go about their lives too much differently. Well, and particularly if if uh, there aren't a lot of deaths, and hopefully there aren't, I suppose then it then it is a question of whether the next time people will think, well, you sort of cried wolf last time mm -hmm. about it. So it's you know, ironically, uh, you hope for the best. But if that happens, in some respects, the the uh, the uh, tenor of the warning might be might be lessened next go round. It does speak, though, I think, for the fact that although medical officers of health are often involved in political issues, um, you know, we've had uh, Dr. Pollard in, in the smoking controversy, for instance. I remember the um, sitting in Edmonton, the medical officer of health who resigned over Kyoto or something. Mm -hmm. or no, he was fired over Kyoto, mm -hmm. I think. Um, the, the, the Walkerton, for instance, the medical officer of health was very outspoken there. Um, and yet they still seem to retain a lot of credibility as being independent. And when they say this is something that's a real problem, we all, our ears go up. I want to look at the, just take this, change the, the view just a, a moment, just a little bit for a moment. 
and look at this whole issue of crying wolf. If we go back in my lifetime, the major things that we were concerned about, the, the, you know, the major fears that we had, uh, or not necessarily fears, but I think of the comet Kohotek that was going to be this massive celestial event. And we were, we were bombarded with stories that this was going to be the most incredible thing that mankind had ever seen. And, you know, it was a little flashlight up in the sky. Y2K. Uh, Y2, Y2K <laughs> is another one, is another one exactly where we were told, oh my God, we look at the terrorist alerts in the United States that now have become so routine that they don't mean anything anymore. Um, it seems that you can find any number of examples of situations where we've been asked to be vigilant or to pay attention or to enjoy the comet or whatever, and nothing has happened. It's almost as though we're setting ourselves up sooner or later for well, I, you know for a big one that is going to happen and we're all going to be taken by surprise i think some of those examples are a little out of context of when you're talking about a, a disease if you're overreacting to a disease and crying quote wolf as you might say maybe the reason the disease never took root is because you did cry wolf and things were done about it early yeah. enough think of the extreme continuous quarantines you see when for example animals are transported from certain countries to certain countries mm -hmm. i mean you know i've seen people with their pets with their poor dog in quarantine in a in a South American country somewhere for two months or yeah. three months, and yeah. that sounds really extreme, but that's how that's how um, aware they are of it. And you've got issues like the the West Nile virus, which is spread by mosquitoes. I understand. Mm -hmm. So I guess we want to quarantine those mosquitoes. <laughs> you do that at my house anytime yeah. I like. <laughs> Sooner the better. But, but there is an irony, though, and that, and that is that I, that I gather that uh, stress reduces the effectiveness of your immune system. Mm -hmm. So the more stressed out you are, the more likely you are to get this stuff, uh, to get sick. And uh, I think that uh, it is a problem where you have so many diverse threats that seem to appear on the front page of the paper on a, on a constant basis that if you're taking that stuff seriously uh, that could be very detrimental to your health somehow you've got to have a balance so that you're sort of aware of this stuff but that it's not freaking you out uh, and uh, certainly in my case I've made a conscious decision to scale way back on my uh, my uh, coverage of the war mm -hmm. um, just because it's too stressful uh, you know and and I'm interested in it and and all that stuff uh, and I care about it a lot but I'm just aware that I can't spend three hours a night with CNN and, and on the internet uh, with this stuff or I'm just going to be a wreck and I'm going to get sick. I think that's a good point. And one of the things that drove it home to me was uh, the other night I was watching CNN and, uh, and they broke for commercials and said, we'll be right back with more from the front lines on CNN. And I thought, oh, geez. <laughs> I mean, that is exactly what they're doing, but it was just, you know, it's like, we'll be back with more of the Ed Sullivan show right after this. My goodness. Yeah, no, I switched to uh, airplane last night. That was my entertainment. Yeah, well, <laughs> some days we have to do that, although airlines today with the Air Canada are probably not good news. Well, hey, it's those advertisers that bring in the bucks and let you watch that TV show relatively for free. Oh, and is that not the yeah. truth? Uh, gentlemen, thank you both. Always a pleasure. Uh, Bob Metz and thank Jeff Schlemmer with us today on this edition of Left, Right, and Center, and uh, thanks to all of you who, who uh, stayed with us throughout.